0: All right, Jan. So you've been in Parliament 12 years, basically. Um, that's four terms. There's been two national governments, two Labour governments. How's Parliament changed during that time?
1: Oof. Um I think Parliament has changed, I, like on some levels, it's changed um, in really good ways, I think. It, but our Parliament is more diverse um, and less of a, say it clearly, white boys, old boys club than when I first came in, when I... My first year in Parliament, I I was really shocked at how, what it felt like really old-fashioned this place was, um, to an extent where, you know, National Minister could get everybody in Parliament standing up and clapping the Miss New Zealand contestants, and making kind of... Like kind of lewd joke about having spent time with him in his office and everybody laughing Um, I cannot imagine that happening now and that is a good thing
0: (laughs) In terms of the work you wanted to do when you came to Parliament how's that gone?
1: I think time will tell I came in my maiden speech and I still, I've regularly reflected on that um, as I've stayed here and now when I'm leaving um, I was focused on trying to have a sense of our shared responsibility and connection to each other and the environment Um, because I I don't believe individualism and a sense of pretending that we're not part of nature (laughs) has served us and really wanting to recognize that gender-based violence has been an underlying um, shame on us as a country and and a drag on our potential and the potential of all of us, um, which is a kind of a soft way of putting it, But and also that there's huge potential and joy in diversity. Um, and I feel as if we're... We've moved in a positive sense, and I'm really proud to for the small things that I've been able to do as a part of that. Am I secure in the sense that um, those really hard-fought-for gains um, will be able to keep progressing? No. <laughs> I don't have security about that, and I still have real frustration about the pace of change, particularly around those complex issues, around climate change and gender-based violence. Like I was at a hui yesterday with the community sector um, and government around Te Kura, which you know my dear friend and co-leader Marama Davidson is leading, and it was it was such a privilege to sit in that room and hear voices that were not being heard before and people naming and telling the public service and the politicians about what still needs to be done and what's not working and their hope that wasn't present before. And I have to fight my own sense of impatience and frustration and (laughs) tendency to focus on what's wrong and actually give some space for their hope because actually we all need it.
0: It's a fairly open parliament. What ways could it be better?
1: Um, I I think there are many ways. I, I believe that we we need to be talking more about mātiki mai and the, the work of creating a constitution that will hold our democratic conversations in the context of Te Tiriti. And, and I genuinely believe that we have some challenges at the moment that mean we, we need to be bringing that work forward. Um, in the conversations we're having in the Standing Orders Committee at the moment, there's an acknowledgement of the challenge of scrutiny on government, like our parliament um, has a responsibility to scrutinise government. We also have responsibility to our communities, and there are simply not the resources to do that job properly. And we, um, and we also in the three-year parliamentary term, particularly when there's a change of government. The first year is people working out what's actually happening now because we don't have that detail outside of government and the public service getting to understand actually what is the new agenda and ways of working and then you've got one year and then you've got an election year. Like, (laughs) that does not produce a situation of being able to deliver significant change properly. And yet, I don't think we can move to a longer term without stronger checks on power. I think that would be a dangerous thing. And politicians generally publicly seem unwilling to have conversations about these things because they seem to be interpreted as being Mm self-interested and nobody wants to be seen to do that. And that's a demonstration of a fundamental disconnect with our communities, which is also a symptom of where we're at at the moment, right? So somebody has to start talking about it. And I don't think our existing politicians, clearly we haven't been doing it.
0: You've been a whip, uh, sorry, a musterer, on top of everything else you do. Has that been a busy time?
1: Yes, it has been busy. Um, like I, for somebody who's got probably shouldn't say it, but kind of strong anarchist tendencies is yeah. <laughs> quite critical of Parliament, I've I've become really, as you can tell from this, really engaged in the conversation about. Okay, this is the this is the model that we have and this is the best that we've got and I'm not supportive of, um, you know. And, and I think by the growing kind of divisions and the lack of um, opportunities for people in our communities to come together and really resolve complex issues, I think it points to the importance of having the conversation about how do we improve this place and um, getting to do that as a muster, it's been a surprise to me of how invested I've become in that conversation. Um, and, And also the work of trying to support my colleagues in this place where we're not resourced. There's been definite improvements around that of support for MPs but I th- still think um, it's pretty inadequate and um, it's very different to other workplaces I've worked in, right, where you're part of a team and we're part of a team within our party units, but it's also a competitive team. And, um, and that in a high risk, um, high exposure environment, Which is different to other places, which um, is I think really hard. Yeah.
0: Your portfolios. What do you? Are there any highlights that you have from you know the the issues that you've prosecuted, the stuff that you've spoken on?
1: There are, but for somebody who's always frustrated that we're not going fast enough, like I, I am, really proud of that. I got to be part of the community's work. To be able to introduce domestic violence leave, um, and that there have been other states um, and countries that have picked that up because of the collective work that we did, and I also think of the kind of the debate that we were having around welfare, and while it hasn't got to the place where I want it to get, around. Um, welfare that is not the leaning in on the stigma um, that there was when I first came into Parliament. And again, like I'm really grateful to have been able to, at least for a period of time, be that conduit into this place for people with those experiences of the violence of our welfare system um, and those, the people supporting them and wanting something better. And while I'm so conscious of all of the work to do on it, I am really proud of having that the Te Puna Aonui, which is the cross-government work around ending family violence and sexual violence, um, that that is a new way, that is a recognition that we cannot arrest our way out of this that actually income support <laughs> and housing and the underlying kind of structural violence has to be part of our solution and that all too often what survivors, as well as people who have used violence and want to change, tell us is that what gets in the way of their safety and their healing is all too often the government systems that put up barriers to them. And we have not resolved that. (laughs) But we have, I kind of think of it as the framework of a train that if we keep building on it will get us to that place where we look back on where we are at now and are able to, kids reading that in the history books, will go, I can't believe that as a country we had that problem like that. But I'm also very conscious of all of the levels of things that need to stay in place and keep being built on that could be lost,
0: you know, yeah. How about the chamber? You've mentioned before you don't necessarily like the adversarial nature of, of what goes on in there
1: yeah I mean oh. <laughs> I I mean I to be honest it's one of the things um, I've appreciated about being in the Green Party is that um, when I speak on a bill I'm speaking on a bill because it's um, part of my portfolio and the work that I'm doing and so I'm able to in most cases to connect that to a broader picture and something that I've spent time thinking about I'm never given talking points <laughs> from anybody in this place about what I need to say to kind of progress our political messaging and that may be a weakness for the Greens <laughs> but but, oh my God, am I so grateful for that, because I cannot imagine how that is for these really intelligent people who care about issues, who've got these amazing work histories, to have to stand up and like just spill out talking points that they've been given by other people <laughs> to fill a space. It's dire. I believe in, in focusing on the issue, not the person. Um, and I do not, and I'm quite, um, like that's quite clear-cut for me. I, you I, haven't veered from that? Um, to be honest, there's. I have one time of remembering hearing myself yelling out, you ass.
0: That's fine. I mean, it's, it's between actually, friends.
1: That's not consistent with my values, and before I came into Parliament, I brought a team of... Um peer mediators from Wellington High into Parliament to audit it on their school code of conduct. And I recognize I would absolutely have been put in detention for that. and, and I Fair don't enough. I don't want to model that. I don't want to model and I get, like when I listen to speeches that are so, what I think of as dehumanising of people I care about, it is very hard to sit there and, and listen to that. But I still believe as a, as a strict rule that the debate should be about, it's not about them doing that and them as a person, it should be about actually the content of what they're saying and the issues not, you know, the dismissal and the kind of undermining of people, which is absolutely still a tactic in this place. How do we want to have conversations to enable us to deal with the challenges in front of us in ways that don't shut people down and protect people? I think politicians are overpaid and overprivileged and I don't think the core of what our job is is properly recognised or resourced and those things I think for most people would seem to be at odds with each other those statements but I don't think they are
0: yeah I mean, I come back to the the shortness of the term. Just three years, you barely get your whereabouts when you first came to this place. Was it overwhelming?
1: (laughs) And I'd worked for an MP before, so I'd kind of come in and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was completely overwhelmed being in a smaller party. Like, I think I had 12 portfolios that first term. I might be wrong on that, but it was, you know, a normal number for a green MP. And... (laughs) I felt responsible for, to everybody who was raising their concerns with me. And, and it was completely impossible to be able to do justice to those concerns. Like, and in this place, you have to be strategic. And we say that and we acknowledge that. And what that means is that really bloody important issues, and including at times, you know, issues that are fundamental to people's well-being are not picked up. There is no resource to be able to respond to all of those issues across 12, or even this term, I think, of nine portfolios. You just, you can't, right? One person cannot do that. No. But letting people down like that, it, it sucks. <laughs> yeah.
0: Indeed, you've taken on a lot. You ended up being detained in Sri Lanka. And what was that like?
1: So, that was a situation where um, we were only a few years on from um, the, the Sri Lankan government having um, herded Tamil people into what were supposed to be safe zones and bombed and um, murdered thousands. Of people, we were a few years on from that, with the same people and political leadership, and those people were hosting a Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting, talking about human rights, telling us that all the issues were resolved, um, and knowing through from Tamil people that they did not have the ability to raise their voices safely. That people were still being disappeared I saw the bullet holes in the wall of the newspaper <laughs> in the Tamil area um, and so we have a privilege here right and um, being able to be a voice for people who are unable to raise their voice I think is um, is an important, role that we get to play. Um,
0: You like being amongst the community. That's where your work is done. But the community is where you really felt or feel comfortable.
1: Absolutely. And I've seen this... um, Like, the reason I ended up... The first kind of step for me of ending up being in politics was the work on the paid parental leave campaign and um, there being a minister who was championing that, who worked with us as the outside um, campaign group. And, and I suddenly saw, up to that point, you know, <laughs> I, I had zero faith in our political system. <laughs> like, I just thought politicians were self-interested... Um, bad actors who just liked fighting with each other and trying to make themselves look good. That's how politics looked to me. Um, and But being in the community and working with her, I got to see that it was possible um, for the people in there to and here to be conduits for collective interest. And... And so that was for me. That was kind of part of my goal was to be able to play that role for communities. And and I hope it hasn't been perfect, but I do hope I've been able to be that for people.
0: Do you, Do you have any advice for MPs coming in afresh, or indeed one you know the ones staying on who you've worked with?
1: Yeah, is. Um, I, I do think it is about having ways of checking in about kind of your values and, and regularly kind of, you know, thinking through that about what are your values and what do you want to achieve and checking back to that. It's having um, that process of looking after yourself and, um, and your families as part of remaining a human Because I don't believe that, I still don't believe that this place supports, I think it works against people holding their humanity. And our families and our communities and space to think are the things that will help keep us or keep them in touch with their humanity.
0: What next for you? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Open to job offers. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm hoping I'll get to continue the work and hopefully, you know, hassle my dear colleagues um, from the outside to help them do their job. But exactly what area, I don't know. Um, and I did just want to say that, like, partly when I came into the Greens, I wasn't confident that the Greens were securely holding the things I cared about. In terms of um, the kind of economic justice um, and kind of some of that work around gender-based violence, as an example, there was some great stuff happening, but I wasn't confident it was secure. And and I part of where I'm leaving is like I'm confident my mates have got it, and um, and we just you know I'm going to say the party line now. We just need more of them. <laughs> in there, to be able to kind of deliver the results, yeah. There's so many really wonderful people in this place, Um, and, you know, like in our green team, and also like, you know, shout out to the select committee staff and the clerks who, you know, aren't really seen by the public, but are like so mind-bogglingly competent, and I think we um, should all be very grateful to them, Um, yeah, like, and, yeah, I will, I will definitely miss people, but I won't miss having to listen (laughs) to the bullshit.